What's up? It is 2 p.m. on a Sunday afternoon. Thanks for tuning in to Cannabis Legalization News, where we explain marijuana laws so you can change them. Today, we have a couple news stories out of Nevada, Texas, uh, let's see, maybe even Indiana and some federal news. But let's introduce our host, Tom, and guest host, David, out of Boston. Hey, how y'all doing? Hey, hey everybody. Good to be here. Yeah, thanks, Lauren. How's your weekend treating you? Not too bad. It's very hot, though. Very hot in Chicago. Very hot. And uh, there's a there's a normal Chicago party that uh, Lauren's going to be attending here after. So we're actually broadcasting an hour earlier on this Sunday. But thank you so much for joining us, especially all the social equity applicants in the room. Uh, if you guys need anything, because there's going to be a crap load of licenses handed out in Illinois this summer, uh, go and follow me on Instagram at Cannabis Industry Lawyer and then ask me. I mean, we're getting a lot of uh, Virginia social equity applicants DMing me. And the Virginia social equity applicants a little different than the uh, other ones. They have like a 66% ownership threshold. Howdy from Houston, Texas. Hello. Yes, but like, uh, what's the uh, ownership threshold in Massachusetts for social equity? Social equity right now uh, is very low. Uh, I think there are maybe. But like, when they have the ownership percentage, is it 51.49 or is it, uh, how do they do the ownership? It is, it's 51% ownership, not just ownership, but also control. Yeah. So they can't just be on paper, 51% owner on paper. They have to actually do day to day business control. Yep, that's exactly how they do it in Illinois. But with Virginia, they actually they amp it to 66 percent. And then they also added the historically black universities. Uh, And so that's That's really interesting. You know, it's 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 every state does it a little bit different, uh, but it's usually ownership and control majority and then uh, arrest or living in a disproportionately impacted area. But we have some really big breaking news this week that we want to report on the federal report, a federal report. This is what they, they sponsored by your tax dollars has found no increase in teen cannabis use after legalization out of Ganjapreneur re- reporting on June 3rd, the U.S. Department of Education's National Center for Education Statistics found no evidence of uh, increased teenage cannabis use due to cannabis legalization policies. Hmm. The report uses data volunteered by students to the Youth Risk Behavior Surveillance System, which falls under the umbrella of the Centers of Disease Control. And I want to tell you, my my kids took this survey. They're both in middle school. They took the survey this year. Oh, really? So this is data that your kids also help to make. That's I, I, I guess so, yeah. Well, you know, hey, give out, uh, give me a thumbs up and, and don't forget to smash that subscribe button. If you are interested to know that teen cannabis use after legalization does nothing, it is just flatlined. And I think the real ex- reason for that is uh, you got to show your ID to get into the dispensary and teenagers, their ID don't say they're 21. Well, and I think the, the report says that it hasn't changed from 2009 when there mm-hmm. were zero states who had it legalized to 2019 when we had a lot of states who had it legalized. There was no change in the, the reporting of the usage, which tells me that they were getting it illegally then and they're getting it illegally now. There you go. And then it says the findings are significant because they directly contradict one of the most enduring arguments for cannabis prohibition. Think of the children that legalization will lead to increased cannabis use among the children. And to protect the children, we need to pass these laws that say marijuana is going to be illegal because drug dealers are going to be like, oh, oh, it's illegal. Oh, I'll stop doing it then. I'll, I'm sorry. I didn't know it was illegal. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> what um, a, let's see. Uh, 
2019. Why don't you tell them about the uh, the the statistics that we see on the board there? The percentage of students in grade nine through twelve who reported that illegal drugs were offered, sold, or given to them on school property—that's what we're looking at right here. Yeah, a big. And there's no line. difference. A big flat line. No difference from 2009 to 2019. That's a ten-year data set. That's a you know coming from the world statistics, which I did many years ago. Mm-hmm. That's a, a lot of data. Ten years of data. That's a lot of data, and then it also complies or conforms with a 2019 study that found Colorado's cannabis legalization had not caused an uptick in teen use. And Colorado has one of the oldest and largest data sets because it has um, gone back over 10 years of widespread availability at medical and now at adult use levels, which is pretty fascinating. Although many of those who were consuming cannabis had altered their consumption methods to include more edibles and concentrates. So that is interesting. They aren't using any more, but they are using a more varied type of product. Hmm. And in 2018, a California Healthy Kids survey found that teenage use had actually decreased post-legalization in California. And what the study doesn't talk about, which, but some studies that I've read recently also are reporting that um, opioid use has actually decreased in the states where full legalization has occurred. That's right. It's an uh, evidence of the substitute good effect. And so you have one thing that they really can turn to for pain medication uh, right now in states like, I don't know, Kentucky uh, or or states where they have a very bad medical program or and absolutely no adult use. Uh, those states, you can only really access the opioids. You can't say, well, I want to also try medical cannabis to treat my pain. Uh, and in when the dispensaries start open, the opioid use goes down by like over double digits. So that's that's some more studies. And then hopefully that they're able to do studies now besides focusing on the harms. And so it's interesting that this, this study came out that took 10 years. I bet they were trying to find the harm. They were trying to find that uptick in usage <laughs> patterns to be like, see, we finally have that smoking gun evidence. Well, especially where it was a federal study, that, which makes this different than other studies that I've read, mm-hmm. which are out of universities and whatnot. This this is directly from the federal government. So I from the NCES. So yeah. I mean, this is, you know, good stuff here. And this is coming from the government. You're right. They probably were looking for the negative thing to find. Yeah. But, you know, times are changing. For example, in Nevada, they have approved marijuana consumption lounge with the first one arriving by the end of 2021, which makes total sense because Nevada is all about tourism and, and you know, adult freedom and personal freedoms. And so now that will include uh, consumption of cannabis in public. Uh, it's interesting that the bill allows for two types of cannabis lounges. Um, one type is a dispensary can add an, an existing lounge to their dispensary, or the other model, uh, an independent business can build a consumption lounge with only allowing single-use cannabis products for sale. Oh, I was just talking about single-use cannabis products because I was at a bar. It was the weekend, and so I went out for a beer, and I was thinking about that level of retail experience for cannabis really isn't there. You know, like if I go out out to the store and I buy a six pack, I'm going to pay, it's a retail experience for me. And I'm going to pay like, I don't know, 10 bucks for the six pack. But then if I go out to a bar and I just order one of them, they're going to charge me like, you know, seven, eight, nine bucks for that one beer. And then they can do that six times. So is that what you're going to do? Like, will they have bowl pricing? It's like, are they just going to be selling it by the bowl or by the, um, 
the joint or by the dab or, or, or whatever particular uh, individual usage. And then the price, of course, goes up. That'll be really interesting. And then how are they going to control how much intake intoxication people have? Uh, is it going to be a, a, a one joint limit or is it going to be a two joint limit? Is it going to, they going to weigh you when you come in and figure out and do some calculations and, and figure out what it's going to take for you to get high? I don't know. I don't know. But it does say cannabis products are not permitted inside casinos and hotels. While not legal in Nevada, tourists resort to consuming marijuana outdoors or in their hotel rooms, which is Kind of annoying, you know. I, I always think it's funny that you know. Is do they have consumption lounges in Massachusetts? They do not have. Well, it's on the books consumption lounges. They have not opened yet. Okay. Um, they're still working out the details and the regulations for that. And even the social, um, the the uh, consumption lounges are going to be social equity participants only for a period of time. Just like our delivery licenses are only for the next three years, only social equity participants can get a delivery license. It's going to be the same for um, consumption lounges, which is going to be interesting. If you have a dispensary and you want to open a, a, a lounge, but you're not the social equity participant, how that is going to shape up. It's, you're just going to have to be social equity. So if you qualify for social equity in Massachusetts, email him at david at collateralbase.com. I tell you what, though, it, that's going to be fascinating. And that's really the future, seeing these types of it's not just a consumption lounge, because right now in Illinois, all the consumption lounges, they are, you know, you can have it like where it's the dispensary and it's the adjacent. So they have to sell you the packaged cannabis per compliant with the regulations. Uh, they don't have the regulations for no, 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 bro. I just want a bowl of OG Kush. You know, uh, they don't have that regulation yet. That'll be really fascinating to see those types of laws rolling out. It's very avant-garde what uh, Nevada's doing here. Well, it'll be interesting. It's the first consumption lounges open at the end of 2021. Mm-hmm. But then in, uh, starting July 1st, dispensaries can start the application process for licensing with the Cannabis Compliance Board to open a cannabis consumption lounge. We got to get Diego on those uh, regs as they come out and get some content up on the Internet so we can help some of the operators in Nevada. And there aren't that many operators in Nevada. Nevada's pretty tight. Uh, just kind of like how Arizona is. I mean, there was like one window to get licenses. And if you got it, great. But if not, you well, you probably weren't a millionaire who donated to the right people. <laughs> yeah, I tell you what, though, I really am looking for I mean, like Lauren was saying, it's hot. It's summer and uh, cannabis legalization news is going on tour. So we hope it's to see you tour. Yeah, that's right. We are. We're gonna we're gonna promo the 420 cannabis IMP. So uh, why don't you visit cannabisimp.com, uh, and then you can get your tickets there. We will see you in Chicago on June 24th and 25th. Michigan, we may make it. Uh, I do have to go to Seattle on the 15th. So uh, we are going to be doing some content in Seattle. And if you are an operator in that in Washington State, uh, give us a call. Uh, Pennsylvania, that's at the tri-state. So Philly, New York. I'm going to that one. I went to that one, August 25th, 26th, Ohio, Kentucky, yes. September 9th and 10th. Missouri will be uh, November 17th and 18th. I think what I'm going to be doing, though, is uh, October 15th, I fly out to Humboldt for uh, the Gangier certification. And then I think I'm going to fly from San Francisco to Vegas for MJ BizCon on October 20th. Uh, mm-hmm. I got a buddy who well, he's not just a buddy. He's going to be a law partner that uh, booked a table there. So I'm like, well, I'm going to be in. 
thing to be in Humboldt. So uh, I'll tell you what, I'll fly over there and then over there and then we'll see some more people. So go to CannabisIMP.com and use promo code CLB15 for 15% off. And I hope to see you on the road. We still haven't gotten the shirts yet, man. I've been waiting for the tour shirts, but uh, we did get the swag bags. You need the swag Swag bags. They look good. I do. Swag bags are looking good. They do. All right. Uh, Let's see. After that, uh, there's another thing that we could be doing on the CLN tour shirts. I mean, the tour shirts, we got them where they're coming in. And so we're, you know, shouts out to the members. And we really support all the people that have actually become members of the channel. Thank you so much. But uh, if you want to get a shirt directly, uh, you can become a legalizer in chief just for a month and then DM us or or email us your uh, address and we'll send you out the shirt. Uh, let us know your size and then if you want the tour shirt we're still waiting on that those are the legacy shirts shout out to eric you made those uh and then you know we will be getting uh the people that have like been a member for a year then they get a shirt after the uh the lounge members have been there for and they get their 12 month button uh then we'll send you a shirt if they come out and visit you while you're on tour do they can they get a shirt there uh, yeah, they can get a shirt when they come out and visit us on tour and then also get a swag bag. I'll have some books, uh, some pamphlets, business cards. I might even have a charging station. Crap, I have not paid for the power strip yet at the at the meeting in uh, Chicago. I tell you what, it's uh, it's just what happens. <laughs> yep. Man, I tell you, uh, price check. Should we do the price check or the name that strain? I mean, it's only 16 past the hour. Usually we... Uh, I, I, I will tell you that I did do my own research. So I did find uh, our name the strain in my area for nice. price check. For price check. I like it. All right. Hey, uh, but then in this one, the Missouri one, where in Missouri, uh, Lauren, can you pull up cannabisimp.com again and let us know where this thing is in Missouri? Oh, it's St. Charles, Missouri, November 17th through the 18th. So St. Charles, Missouri. It's in Missouri somewhere. I'm not sure exactly where. I've never been to St. Charles, Missouri. I'm looking forward to it. Just want to repeat, shout out to all the military members who can't smoke. We will not forget about you. No. As yeah. a matter of fact, very shortly, we will be, we'll be token in honor of you, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Um, I'm going to do another news story before we – we would probably sneak in the Oklahoma – I'm sorry, the Louisiana story before 420. So let's uh, see if we can round up the Louisiana lawmakers. Okay, smokable marijuana flower and sales increase is likely, according to marijuana uh, MJ Biz Daily. Louisiana's 25 million medical marijuana market is expected to get a huge lift in sales next year after the legislature passed a measure that will allow smokable flower beginning January 1st, 2022. Yep. Democratic Governor John Bell Edwards indicated he'd sign this HB 391, which was sent to his desk after the House of Representatives passed it amended an amended version uh, from the Senate by a 76 to 17 vote on Wednesday. It wasn't even close. The Not state Senate earlier had passed the bill by a 23-14 margin. Look at that. I tell you, that, that's fantastic. I hope that there's a new license uh, window coming to Louisiana now that the demand should go through the roof as you can get smokable flour. Smokable flour will offer a, offer a more affordable option to the state's paltry 5,000 medical cannabis patients. 5,000 medical cannabis patients, that's terrible. I mean, like, we could almost calculate the canopy space that you would need on that on the fly. Woof. Uh, uh, I mean, it... it. <laughs> 
uh, that you're not going to be I mean, 5,000. Let's say they're allowed to get like two ounces a month. Yikes. Yeah. That's not, that does not take a lot of growers to satisfy. Patients will be allowed to purchase up to two and a half ounces of smokable marijuana every 14 days. So what's that? Five ounces a month. Uh, that that is uh, the maximum number that's also in Illinois. So in a lot of the states that have adopted that maximum, you'll see them uh, do reports. I think New Jersey was doing one uh, before COVID hit for their potential market to estimate um, sales. And then they would just max that out. And it turns out that that is way higher than average sales, like by a lot. Uh, and so, you know, if you want to use that to, to set the canopy space, that would that would be great. But then um, most patients don't buy their max. And I don't know how they're going to do it because right now they have nine dispensaries in, in Louisiana called medical marijuana pharmacies. pharmacies. Yeah, medical marijuana pharmacies. But think about that. That pharmacy, if there's only 5,000 patients and there's almost there's nine dispensaries, that's just essentially 500, 600 patients per dispensary. That's not that many. Mm. Yeah, they really got to create more patients in uh, Louisiana. I just that's terrible. It must be one of those really strict. Uh, they don't allow pain or PTSD. And so now that's that's the trick. If why is that at five thousand? I mean, what is the population of Louisiana? I got to assume it's got to be at least three to four million people. I would think is I think it'd be more than more than five. Let's see here. According to the Louisiana population 2020 uh, Google search, uh, it is four million six hundred and fifty seven seven hundred fifty seven people. So, you know, about four point seven million people in Louisiana. You're telling me only five thousand of them have a medical card, man. You know, uh, that's pretty restrictive. Yeah, because uh, that's about the population of Oklahoma. And essentially, like there's four hundred and fifty thousand people in Oklahoma with their medical card. It's like 10 percent of the population. But the MG, MJ Biz Factbook projects that Louisiana's market, medical marijuana market, will reach 25 to 30 millions in sales just this year. That is like a week in Illinois' sales because Illinois will, Michigan as well, they will routinely do over 100 million in sales on a monthly basis. And you know why? I know why. Because it is? It's, it's 420 somewhere. That was a good one. You know what? Let's do a name that strain. Well, we just did a bumper. So let's do a news story and then play name that strain. Okay. Connecticut unveils proposal for marijuana legalization. This one is near and dear to my heart. Yes. Connecticut is quite close to you in New England. And it has been. Um, and why is it near and dear to your, your heart, David? Are you from what? Connecticut? I'm not from Connecticut, but it's my neighbor to the south in New England. And um, I'm very interested in what goes on in Connecticut. So if anybody has any issues in Connecticut and yeah. are interested in this, then you can give me a call. That's true. There's like three million people in Connecticut. It's dinky, but it's dense. And so it, marijuana could soon be legal in Connecticut under a legislative provo- pro- ah, pro- Sorry. I had a small conniption while I was trying to talk. A legislative proposal unveiled on Saturday. The bill has been in the work for months with closed doors negotiations between Governor Ned Lamont, state legislatures, and social justice advocates. Oh, that sounds like it's hot off the presses. I haven't even seen that bill because I've been working on 10-day notices for the Department of Agriculture license applications in Illinois. Well, that's just because they unveiled it on yesterday, on a Saturday. How convenient. 
man. Yeah, on a Saturday. So I know what we're talking about tomorrow at the kickoff meeting. Let's see what's going on. David, hey, let's go pull that bill, man, and get Bill on it because, you know, he could he could help yeah. us digest this. Look at this. An initial vote on the mammoth nearly 300-page bill could happen Monday. Now that is being passed in closed doors and, you know, backroom deals. You filed it on Saturday and you voted for it on Monday and we're just finding out about this at a cannabis legalization news is Sunday episode. Come on. Well, if they don't, then the bill gets pushed back to a special session this summer. We just released the bill last night, and that's why we're voting for it on Monday. Nobody has time to read this 300-page bill, and they know it, but hopefully it's good. Let's see what they have under it. Residents could possess 1.5 ounces or store up to 5 ounces in their home, car, or truck, which kind of is bad because when you consider under this plan, you're able to grow up to 6 pounds, I'm sorry, 6 pot plants per person and up to 12 per household. So unless you're really, really, really bad at growing weed, and you're not because come on your weeds the bomb uh you are gonna go way past that five ounce limit so i don't understand how that's gonna work is that five ounces of purchased weed or five ounces of your own homegrown Mm, that's gonna be worked out i guess edibles would also be allowed under a food and beverage manufacturer license but they must be sold at a licensed retailer not directly to customers Well, that's going to be interesting because a lot of people always want to get into this type of edibles with the food and beverage. But then it depends on how overregulated that market is, because you can make as a baker, you could make bread and they aren't going to like make you have to measure and titrate how much yeast you put in the bread. But they're going to do that. Like if you wanted to do it with THC. So they're going to make sure that you have only 100 milligrams of THC in that loaf of bread. And each serving has no more than 10 milligrams. And then it has to be in a shrink wrapped, you know, order proof, child proof container with all the appropriate uh, disclaimers and labels. Uh, So these types of licenses, when they're going to have this food and beverage manufacturer, that's going to be able to create these types of edible products, how much regulation are they going to make them jump through and how limited are those licenses going to be? Because it doesn't need to cost cost an arm and a leg to make the stuff, but the regulations may make it cost an arm and a leg. Well, the processing equipment is a little costly in itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Underage users still face penalties ranging from a written warning up to a class D misdemeanor under the proposed law, depending on how old they are and how much marijuana they're caught with. To prevent underage use, businesses cannot advertise anywhere with more than 10 percent of an underage audience. Wow. More than 10% of an underage audience. So I guess they must have not read the study that we just talked about that shows that once you legalize, you don't have to, you you don't have to worry about it, but the fear is not there that kids will be no data, right? There's no data. And then this is an example of a curtailment of your commercial speech rights as that marijuana business. All right. So you have just like Budweiser as a commercial speech rights to name the bleachers and Wrigley Field and have like beer posters all over the place when you go to a baseball game, which I'm pretty sure is more. Do you think? Yeah, maybe. Is a baseball game about like 10% kids? Maybe. Yeah, I would say. 
I don't know. So then can we, can Cresco labs advertise at a baseball game or well, you guys got Curl leaf out in Massachusetts. When's Curl leaf going to be able to sponsor the seventh inning stretch? Well, interestingly, I was at the um, premier league lacrosse games last night at Gillette stadium where the Patriots play. And as I was sitting there, I saw, I don't know, about a two story high, marijuana leaf cbd medic but it was a big map but it was a big marijuana leaf so we're getting close that's true but the changes between the regulations imposed on curleaf versus on a cbd company are night and day so the cbd company could be like you know hey look at this this beautiful marijuana bud cbd and then it's fine it's because it's not subject to those regulations but if this was you know curly's product it'd be like no no we're not allowed to show that i'm sorry that is not our product i mean it just goes to show how uh regulations can play out and they're so different no matter whatever state you look at it'll be interesting to see how they've defined all these things in connecticut which we'll find out on monday uh cannabis could also be banned in state beaches and parks and would be subject to a $250 fine. As of July 1st, employers cannot penalize workers for using pot outside. First of all, I hate the word pot, but I'm going to say it. (laughs) For using cannabis outside the workplace, with the exceptions of exempted positions like cops and firefighters, employers could also also could not deny you a job because you test positive for marijuana. I love it. Yeah, certain federal contractors, including military suppliers like Sikorsky and Electric Boat, are exempt because they fall under federal rules. And it's still, as we know, illegal federally completely illegal federally man uh it's one of those deals where you're like no really still man why oh because they're they can't do anything right i have forgotten so lions licenses are going to be granted in a lottery system with social equity applicants from neighborhoods with high rent uh, rates of unemployment or drug arrests getting preference under the bill equity applicants could claim half of all initial licenses that's a fascinating thing i mean the the types of lottery systems uh why is it frightening it's frightening i I can only go by my experience with illinois and their great lottery which is you know what illinois is completely rigged and so like we we could go through how illinois is rigged versus and we now have to see how connecticut's doing it and so like if it's going to be a fairly fair lottery where uh, first they're going to have all the ping pong balls that have qualified according to the state standards thrown into uh, a pot and they're going to draw 50 percent of those licenses and then they go to social equity like the social equity or the regular applicant they both have to have a compliant complete application you know Um, then the only difference is the social equity gets uh, priority and so uh, then the social equity gets the priority. They get that first 50 percent. Then you can add in all the other winning uh, applicants that don't qualify for the social equity and draw the remaining ping pong balls for the licenses. And then you would have slightly more composition than not. But you, you have to realize, like, it's 10 to one. And so uh, you're going to have 10 applications come in for one licenses. Uh, and then in, in Arizona, it wasn't 10 to one. It was like 300 applications for 13 licenses. I'm afraid that Connecticut isn't much different than Illinois, and the the, the proneness for corruption is there. And we have to be very, very careful how this comes out. It's going to be interesting, and a 15-member social equity council will screen the applicants to give them their blessing, I'm assuming, for whether or not they will be social equity. 
Uh, let's see. And, uh, yeah, there I'm will sorry. also be two types of sellers: retail, which is rec sales only, and hybrid rec and medical sales. Startup costs would be uh, five hundred dollars to enter the lottery, five thousand for the provisional license, and twenty-five thousand for the full license. I'm assuming what that means is you pay five hundred dollars to get your ticket in the door. Uh, and then there's going to be the $5,000 for the provisional license. Your ticket's pulled, and now you have to uh, put your plan into action. And then eventually that provisional license after zoning and all the approvals at the state and local level will become your full-blown license, at which time you will pay them another $25,000. How much you're going to have to pay a consultant and lawyers like me, uh, I don't know. I would have to see how complex the application is. First, you have to get into the lottery. And then after you win, you have to put it all into play. Uh, put it all into action you know now if you're an existing medical dispenser you could apply to convert to a hybrid realtor license starting september 1st 2021 but the cost is huge steep a million dollars that's not that steep think about what they did in georgia's a hundred thousand square foot canopy medical cultivation grow of which they only gave two licenses one of the elements of that application was have 1.25 million dollars in a bank account and just keep it there and the the medical dispensaries don't have to enter any lottery. They just get to convert come September 21st, 2021. They just pay up your million dollars and you can convert to a hybrid retailer. And you're basically going to have a monopoly for that first year, as I'm assuming they're going to have to now create the regulations for what you need to do to comply and be an operative, uh, not just a medical, but a rec uh, facility. And then they have to have an application window or an RF, whatever they call them in your jurisdiction. And they're trying to prevent corporate chains from taking over the industry. The applicants will be limited to only two licenses until June 2025, and then I guess the floodgates open and they can have it stop buying out everybody else. Hmm. That will be fun for the M&A practitioner in 2025, said me, a guy who's been a lawyer for a while. Now, until uh, June 2024, each city or town is limited to one retailer per 25,000 residents. Oh, this is where uh, trying to get your cannabis license kind of gets fun because now you get to play like retail uh, monopoly. Uh, you can take the population density of this state, which is a fairly population dense state. It's like three million people. And it's the one you can't even point it out in a map. Ninety percent of people that live in uh, the United States, I bet, cannot point out Connecticut on a map. Uh, it's one of the small ones, but you'll probably point at something else. And I would say a majority of the people in Connecticut live in a suburb of New York City. Huh, which is fascinating. And so uh, one retailer per 25,000 residents, and that's find out the population, divide it by that. And that's essentially what you're going to get as the, the license limit. And then municipalities could ban retail sales through zoning or 10 percent of votes could ask for a referendum, a referendum on the issue. Oh, OK. That's interesting. Now, uh, if the municipality is trying to ban it, uh, 10% of that municipality's voters could referendum the issue. This happened a lot in Illinois in 2020 and also in other states uh, like Michigan and California and Colorado. Uh, municipalities very often have the ability to shut it down uh, and then they turn it back on because they see that the world's not falling to pieces, that the stuff works, that Colorado schools are funded. And then they're like, you know what, we should probably have these guys in here too because then they're just going to drive over to Durango and get weed. Yep. Mm -hmm. Towns that do allow sales in their, in their town would get a 3% tax. 
which this is cool, which must be used for social equity programs. Yeah, yeah. They uh, one of the best things that you can do in your social equity program is take the money and plug it in uh, as the money is real. The application process can be like a dolly painting and it can be really weird and then it could be rigged at the end and then you could just throw up your hands and go, well, crap. Now, it looks like they're trying to be more fair with this by going straight into the lottery. Uh, it depends on how complex your application is, but these applications are literally the operating manual for your cannabis business. Yes. And, and as a result of that, they're hundreds of pages along and they take some time and some cost to make. But 3 million people. And like, well, what, one per 25 divided by 25,000? 120 dispensaries. If you're interested, give me a call. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Don't forget to follow us uh, on Instagram. Uh, go over at uh, Cannabis Industry Lawyer. I can't wait to meet somebody uh, with, in my DMs from Connecticut going like, hey, my gosh, I'm social equity in Connecticut. Really? They have those? Yeah, I guess they do. You know what we should do now? We're about half past the hour. Uh, uh, name that strain. Name that strain. Let's do it. Pretty. Look at that. That's a very well trimmed strain, I tell you. Um, when the, when you see the nooks and crannies like that with the bud, that's when you can tell that's been hand trimmed. And there's a lot of nooks and crannies of where uh, the buds have grown out in three dimensions, of course. Uh, nice frosty profile, uh, and then also some really frosty sugar leaves that are forest green at the bottom of it. And it's got some nice little hairs in it, red hairs running through, orangey hairs running through it. And the, the bottom's all crystallized. Mm. Mm-hmm. They're doing it. Tell you what, uh, this one uh, is this, this one is going to be difficult for people outside the state of Illinois to guess. But if you're from the state of Illinois, I'm pretty sure then you'd be able to guess it. That explains a lot of my research. <laughs> I had a hard time finding it anywhere. This is an MSO strain. And so the MSOs create their own proprietary genetics for obvious reasons, because then they're not selling OG Kush or ChemDog 91 or, or whatever strain they didn't make. They're selling their proprietary genetics for branding purposes. And then they can also say that they have something like that, but better because puffery and sales and stuff. Any guesses? It's by GTI. I will give you that much. So for those of you who knows GTI's roster, put it in the comments. Just start guessing it. And when we see it, we'll say, hey, why not? You guys have just one name that strain. Do you want a book? How about a T-shirt? Thanks for playing. Next story that we got is what? That the D.C. Council rejects public schools? Yeah. Yeah. D.C. Council rejects new public school policy mandating marijuana testing for contractors and volunteers. Reported out of the D.C.ist. Yeah, this one is an interesting story to me. I just lost it. Well, I'm going to get back to you then. D.C. lawmakers are uniquely pushing back on a new policy from D.C. public schools that require all volunteers and contractors to undergo drug testing for marijuana use. 
Council member Charles Allen, who threatened emergency legislation if DCPS doesn't reverse course, said, I don't understand why all DCPS would choose to put up a new barrier to test for a substance that we've legalized in D.C. right when we're working to recover from this pandemic and our schools need more support than ever. Makes no sense. Makes no sense. Okay. They just didn't they just legalize it in D.C.? Oh, it's been legal in D.C. for a bit. I'm not sure exactly what year D.C. legalized it, maybe 2018. I mean, it's it's been a minute and it's been legal, but the, the commerce in it's still illegal. And so you buy a lot of $40 stickers in D.C. that might have been flown in from California. Uh, in a letter to D.C. Public Schools Chancellor uh, Louis Farabee Friday, lawmakers said they became aware of the issue following a Washington City paper story that outlined community organizations' objections to the policy policy change went into a, which went into effect in May. The letter read, volunteers already required to undergo a criminal background check, even undergo a TB test. Those are reasonable statutory mandated requirements, but they create barriers for many parents, black and brown parents in particular, to volunteer in schools. Adding a requirement for drug testing would add costs and additional barriers for volunteers just at a time when the demand for volunteers in schools will be at its highest. Yeah, I think like D.C. is about 75 percent black or something. I mean, like it, they're they're in the majority. I don't know how much they're in the majority. And it's just so ridiculous. And who created this policy? This D.C. council rejects new public school policy. How did this school policy get made? Uh, let's see. DCPS told the city paper that the policy changes meant to come into compliance in 2004, into compliance with the 2004 law that mandates drug and alcohol testing for many district employees. So the law is only 16 years old and we're deciding to come into compliance now. I see. <laughs> I see. Man, I wonder who's behind that. It's not the first time there's been confusion over whether city employees are allowed to use cannabis. After staffers in the Department of Public Works were told they could lose their job, Mayor Muriel Bowser issued an order in 2019 that sought to clarify the policy for all city agencies. It stated that city employees, with some exceptions, including MPD officers and drivers of maintenance vehicles, can use marijuana off the clock for medical or recreational purposes. <laughs> and the orders still require people, including teachers or social workers who work with vulnerable populations to undergo pre-employment drug testing. But DCS, DCS reported that in 2019 that THC would not be included under the city's new policy. It's not clear if school-based staff or DS, DCPS have been tested for marijuana use since then. That would be interesting to find out. Well, Before they start testing the volunteers, have they been tested themselves? Yeah, the, there's got to be some interplay between the D.C. public schools and federal funds. And this this law from 2004, you know, passed in uh, George W. Bush too. Um, crack down on drug as boogaloo because this was like 2004 that was like the year after tommy chong got arrested for glass i mean it was still yeah. thick against cannabis back then <sighs> i don't get it but anyway, Bang. this order oh hey yeah dank mcsuade comes in with jet fuel gelato that is close right. enough this Let's is a strain out of green thumb industries aka gti known as jet fuel aka g6 jet fuel old g jet fuel g6 jet fuel kush or g6 kush 
So that is uh, Jet Fuel by Leafly. Uh, via, and jet Fuel is also known as G6 from 303 Seeds, is the ultimate cross of some of the most renowned diesel strains. And so if you ever wanted to get a diesel effect, go get Jet Fuel from GTI. I can smell the diesel. <laughs> by combining Aspen OG with high country diesel, we are left with a hybrid that stays true to the influence of the SFV OG Kush and the East Coast Sour Diesel in its lineage. The name Jet Fuel isn't purely devoted to the sweet pungent aroma of diesel fumes that this strain exudes, but also the high energy jolt of uplifting effects that eventually level off to provide a dreamlike state of relaxation. Isn't that what you could use on a Sunday? A little diesel. Mm, I like the diesels. Well, you can get it. Let's do a price check. We're going to try to get a bumper for this one, but for right now, we don't. We will soon. We will soon. So, uh, what do you think? Uh, what do you think an eighth of that uh, G six jet fuel runs in Peoria, Illinois? I, I would guess somewhere around sixty dollars. Right snack, Mac dab, right about $60, $59. You can take it home with you. That is actually including tax. If you have your medical card in the state of Illinois, it is $60 ish for an eighth. Uh, and that is a 29% purportedly THC percentage. And that's from my, my local dispensary, Trinity. It's uh, not that far away. Cannabis rates in Illinois are complex and mostly based on THC content. And the higher the THC content, the higher the tax rates. This one is a medical product, but cannabis products containing 35% THC or less are subject to a 10% excise tax in Illinois. All other cannabis products containing more than 35% THC are subject to a 25% excise tax. And if that's not enough tax, you can also add a 6.25% statewide retail sales tax and potentially other local municipal taxes, which may or make it run up to 3%. And that is how you turn a $20 gram into a $26 gram. And so that eighth, I mean, at 20, 26, I guess that would be a $75 eighth. Yay, math and taxes. Uh how much is it in massachusetts well i couldn't find it in massachusetts actually no, you're not gonna the, that's that's a custom genetic from gta maybe. flower i could find a pre-roll in mm. in fall river massachusetts does fall river sound familiar to you at all Fall river does they 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 have some interesting people there they have some interesting people that's where the mayor just got convicted in federal court of taking bribes to open a cannabis business but in there they have pre-rolls how much do you think pre-roll one gram pre-roll in fall river uh, if it's anything like it is over here in Illinois, $16, somewhere in there. Bingo. Yeah. $16. Right $16 on a joint for a gram joint. That is what you're paying in the limited market states. And and Texas wishes it could join that with the $16 joints. Now, most marijuana reform bills go up in smoke at the Texas legislature. The San Antonio report is reporting. This is by Lindsey Carnett. <laughs> After an 87th legislature that saw Texas lawmakers introduce some 60 bills related to reforming the state's marijuana laws, only two made it to Governor Greg Abbott's desk. <laughs> While pro-marijuana advocates saw cannabis-related bills moving like never before this session, state legislators took only incremental steps toward liberalizing marijuana laws. 
said Director of Texas Texans for Responsible Marijuana Policy, Heather Fazio. Yes, one of the two approved bills came uh, by the, leg- the Texas legislature came before the session ended on Monday. One became law without Abbott's signature and one waits his signature. The most significant marijuana related legislation passed was a bipartisan measure that expands the compassionate use program, which allows registered doctors to prescribe low THC medicinal cannabis to Texas patients who meet specific criteria or have a qualifying illness. House Bill 15. 35 allows patients with all forms of cancer and importantly PTSD to use medical cannabis. Previously, only people with specific specific types of epilepsy, multiple sclerosis, autism, spasticity, and incurable neurodegenerative disease or terminal cancer could use medical marijuana. The bill also yeah. increases the amount of allowable THC cannabis product called tetrahydrocannabinol is that is primarily responsible for marijuana's euphoric high and medical cannabis from 0.5% to 1%. Wow. It creates, it creates research programs that study the medical use of low THC cannabis in the treatment of certain patients. No, wow. I, I tell 1%. you what, and then 1% THC, uh, uh, welcome to hemp. And you can have medical hemp now in the state of Texas. And it was almost 5%, which is still laughably low. You really, like, even when you want like a one-to-one strain, you're going to need to get to about like 15% because the, a lot of the one-to-one strains, because of the, the constraints of the actual plant. Like when you saw, when I saw that 29% on GTI's flower, I'm like, they probably went to a lab that's going to screw with the measurements. So all of a sudden the thing's overstated by just enough. Because like the plant, you know, it, it's only going to make about 25, maybe 30 percent tops of those cannabinoids and those terpenoids for its its resinous buds there. You know, hasn't Senator Rand Paul just introduced legislation to change the definition of hemp to one percent? And if they okay. do that, how, how does that impact Texas's law? Because the, basically they just legalized hemp. That That's, that's correct. Yes. And so that's one of the reasons why they tried to ban all that smokable hemp and all that other stuff. And there's probably not very many um, patients. And it, uh, they were trying to raise it beyond the one percent. They tried to raise it all the way up to a paltry five percent and added patients with chronic pain to the list of qualifying compassionate use program. They couldn't even get it to five percent or add pain to their medical use program. Texas still has quite a road to hoe before they're going to have a medical program like Oklahoma, where there's like 400,000 patients and anybody can get a, a, a prescription or a card for their medical cannabis or get a license to grow their medical cannabis or sell their medical cannabis. So I guess now that the governor has House Bill 1535, which he just got, he has 20 days to sign it, veto it or allow it to become law without a signature. I bet he just spaces on the date and doesn't sign it. Well, what did he do? Let's see, because also winning approval was House Bill 567, which protects the parental rights of any Texas resident who has been prescribed low THC cannabis for approved medical reasons or who has administered low THC cannabis to their child for approved medical reasons. The bill was sent to the governor on May 4th, where it went unsigned for 10 days. Having passed the governor's action stage, the bill became law without his signature on May 15th and becomes effective on September 1st. See, this is one of those problems when you have uh, an administration that's not supportive of the law. He didn't have a signing. He didn't say this is a good law that's going to protect the patients. 
He did nothing. He didn't even get his hands on it. So that when he runs later, it's like, I didn't sign that law. Yeah, but you let it it. became you let it became uh, effective. I didn't undo the will of the people, you know, but I didn't I didn't support it. That might be what he does. Now, fortunately, this legislation ensures that the Child Protective Services, the CPS, can't remove a child from his or her home if her parent tests positive for the low amounts of THC or gives those those low amounts to even a child, which is very important. So at least they have these CBD only types of medical patients available for the children that may have severe forms of hopefully epilepsy is one of the qualifying conditions. I assume that it is, you know, it's too bad that pain isn't. And it's too bad that they have this THC limitation for what reason? I don't know. And it's interesting that the well, I guess if we're going to look at the positive, at least the governor didn't veto it. He just let him go and just let him. Hey, maybe he'll do the same thing with Bill fifteen thirty five. Just keep his hands off and let the thing pass. I think that's what he's going to do. I think he's going to do a whole lot of nothing. He'll let it go. But that's still one of the interesting things that also happened in Texas was that uh, Delta eight THC got uh, it didn't get it didn't get kicked. Uh, they tried to come against it, and that particular part of the law got X'd out. And so Delta eight is still legal in Texas, which is great. So now yeah. that's really going to fuel the hemp flower and the Delta eight market in the state, as their medical market is clearly bananas. And and clearly, I mean, if you need state approval to give your kid uh, epidiolex that you're getting in a CBD format. And I shouldn't say epidiolex, but I just mean like CBD. Uh, great. However, you know, if you're just trying to do anything else that needs the medical plant, you're kind of out of luck and you're kind of forced to go by that uh, Delta 8 infused hemp flower. Yep. Uh, what's going on in the international news? Oh, we got some international news out of the Czech Republic. <laughs> Czech Parliament advances a bill to liberalize medical cannabis, according to Prohibition Partners. On Wednesday, the 2nd of June, the lower house of the Czech Parliament approved a bill of amendments to the country's laws governing the production and prescription of medical cannabis and hemp. And if you know how to translate this into Czech, let me know and uh, we could subtitle it. It'd be fun. (laughs) The major stipulations of the amended bill are as follows. Medical cannabis can may be cultivated by multiple licensed private groups who, groups who may also manufacture medical cannabis products. Hmm. Export of medical cannabis will now be explicitly legal. Fascinating. And I wonder if that is a tip of the hat toward Germany, where I don't believe they're allowed to manufacture theirs. They have to import it. They're like, we will allow it, but you can't grow it here. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, another stipulation here, yeah, the marketing of extracts such as isolates and tinctures will be permissible. Oh, so they're going to have a good extraction uh, uh, scene in the Czech Republic. And the system of electronic prescriptions for cannabis will be updated to ease the process for doctors and patients. That is how Europe is different than America. In Europe, they want their healthcare system to be efficient. In America, we want it to be the best. <laughs> Which means that we just festoon it with regulations and we just drive it so close to bankruptcy and profit. It's terrible. I'm not the biggest fan of the healthcare industry in our country. And finally, hemp products with less than 1% THC will not be considered addictive substances, clearing the way for cultivation and production of products with these concentrations. So it kind of contradicts uh, Texas's law that they just passed. 
Yeah, yeah, I know. But now they're going to allow hemp in the Czech Republic, which has a storied history of hemp, uh, especially for uh, the production of the industrial version for the cordage, like where they grow it really, really tall. That's that's great. Uh, the bill has cleared the tallest hurdle on the way to becoming a law. The Senate and president must consider the bill before the bill is formally accepted. But local advocates have high hopes that the approval on Wednesday means the odds are good that this will be achieved. The Czech Republic is a pioneering country in the regulation of substances such as cannabis, particularly in terms of harm reduction and patient access. That's great. Laws enforced since 2010 mean that it is not a criminal offense to possess or to use personal amounts of drugs of any kind. Wow. I did not know that the Czech Republic had completely um, decriminalized uh, cannabis. I mean, not just cannabis, but drugs and personal use of them. But medical cannabis has been legally accessible in the Czech Republic since 2013. However, to legally get the prescribed products, that didn't get until 2018. And now it's starting to really take off. That's that's fascinating, that decriminalization of all drugs, 2010. But then you didn't have medical cannabis for another three years. Uh, who would have thought that a country from behind Iron Carton would be one of the more liberal leading states in cannabis in the 21st century? Yeah, for Europe, I mean, I don't know. They, Spain isn't even coming on this strong. Uh, uh, where else in Europe? If you're in watching this from Europe, thank you. Smash some likes and click subscribe. And then tell us, how is your country doing on the cannabis uh, regulations in the comments? So like medical cannabis, uh, this has been helped by recent legislation in the Czech Republic since 2020, meaning 90 percent of the cost of medical cannabis must be covered by insurance agencies for amounts up to 30 grams a month. If you want 30 grams a month of your medical marijuana paid for by Blue Cross, Blue Shield or Ethna or or whatever healthcare provider is like charging you like five hundred dollars a month for hopefully you don't get hurt. Smash them likes and click subscribe. Despite the considerable progress in medical cannabis access over recent years, the amount of patients accessing legally prescribed products remains extremely low. Chechia is home to about 10.65 million people, around 3,500 or 0.04% of whom obtained medical cannabis legally during 2020. For comparison, Michigan, which has a slightly smaller population than Czech, has 250,000 patients or 2.5% of the population. In Germany, it's estimated that around 0.1% of adults adults access medical cannabis each year and affect t- twice the frequency as Chechia. So it makes me think, are they still kind of afraid the government's watching? I don't know. But then I'm also kind of wondering, like, what is Chechia? Because, like, is that just a different world for the Czech Republic? Yes. Good question. Yes, it is. So the uh, Czechia, which would be C-Z-E-C-H-I-A, Czechia, or Czechia, a country in Europe, a.k.a. the Czech Republic. Awesome. Hmm. I, I learned something. One major issue that holds back the growth of patient access in Czechia is that regulations have prevented the cultivation of medical cannabis in the marketing of products outside of a strictly controlled tendering process and a limited system of imports. Hmm. Yes. But then, you know, it's not just that. 
uh, for comparison. So we were talking about like, even though Chechia is home to 10 and a half million people, uh, around 3,500 have medical cannabis. That's different than like Michigan, let's say, which has about the same population, about 10 and change million people, but it has over 250,000 active patients or 2.5% of the population. Uh, the, the amount of cannabis that needs to be written as prescriptions in Europe really has to catch up to America. So we should go on tour to Chechia and the rest of the countries and just smoke mad weed and tell everybody it's awesome. Uh, and then like do the show there. We're going to have to hopefully have good internet. I, I assume Europe has good internet, but I also hear they still have like, you know, the Rona. Dial up. <laughs> Dial up. I bet they do. Maybe that's why they're so trailing us because they don't have the technology. But they do say one of the major issues that holds back the growth of patient access in Chechia is that the regulations have prevented cultivation of medical cannabis. Uh, you can't grow it, but you can use it. That's a loophole and a half. Uh, to date, the only domestic medical cannabis paraded to Czech patients has come from the only state tendered producer. I'm not even going to try to pronounce Echoplast Sluvo Slice. Yes, Echoplast Sluvo Slice from <laughs> the, the, the state tendered Alliance Healthcare producer of Czechia. This is clear and convincing news. Yeah. Under the new legislation, licenses to grow and manufacture medical cannabis will finally be available to private groups. So if you want to get your Czech cannabis license, give us a call. I would love to hear your, like, how does checks go? I mean, that has to be a really cool uh, regulatory landscape. I, I, I wouldn't be able to read it. Summer 2022 for Europe. What's that? Summer of 2022, CLN tour Europe. Yeah, maybe I might have to. I might have to. Uh, you know, it's a Zoom conference in, but uh, same with like Morocco. You know, there's also news out of Morocco. The MP adopts Morocco's MP adopt bill legalizing use of cannabis for therapeutic purposes. The House of Representatives adopted a, a bill on Wednesday in Morocco that legalizes the use of cannabis for medical purposes. Fascinating. Huh. Uh, the text on the legal issues of cannabis, medical, cosmetic, industrial, was adopted by the House of Representatives with 119 votes for and only 48 votes against. That's fantastic. The deputies of the Justice and Development Party at the head of the government coalition were the only ones to vote against it, the executive, because they said it was too hasty and they risked the exploitation during electoral campaigns for the coming regional legislation elections scheduled next fall. That's pretty interesting. <laughs> The aim of the bill, which has yet to be approved by the Second Chamber of Parliament before being ratified, is to convert illicit crops that destroy the environment into sustainable legal activities that generate value, money, and employment. That's great, because Morocco has this tradition of growing uh, hash. A lot of the hash that will come up from Europe will come up from Morocco. And they just, they, as I used to live in Cadiz, and so, they, you know, they would have the boats, because Morocco's right there, and they just... Take them on the boat, unload it. It's usually in, in little balls of hash that might be, I have no idea, maybe like 10 grams each. And we would buy it and go down by the beach and hang out. It was a great time. I digress one quick second. My brother-in-law is from Morocco. Mm -hmm. And when my sister and he went to visit family and came home, they flew from Morocco through JFK back to Boston, got home. They opened some of their souvenirs. And what was inside? Hash. Hash. Yes. <laughs> 
Yes. I mean, the, the, the country is famous for it. It would be like if Napa said, like, no, 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 there's no winemaking going on here. No, it's <laughs> illegal. There's no winemaking going on. It's and th- So it's a criminal enterprise, but it's clearly winemaking going on. And now, if that's the thing, that's really what I like about the changing of the regulations. You're there to convert the illicit you know, this this backwater, unregulated, we're not sure what's in it. We're not sure how dangerous it is. There's no taxes. It's all in cash. There's a lot of money and guns involved. You're converting it from that to, uh, you sure that this tested pure? Okay. Now, did you pay your taxes? Great. Have a good night. You know, that why that they didn't start with that just boggles my mind that that's humanity. Humanity is that dumb that Morocco will keep it illegal, even though they know that it's a thriving hash market. Not only is it a thriving, Morocco is ranked the world's largest producer of cannabis resin, according to the 2020 annual report of the United Nations Office on Drugs and Crime. Crazy. That doesn't surprise me. No, no. And I tell you, the kingdom is counting on the sustained development of the global medical cannabis market, which we've been talking about, with a forecasted annual growth rate of 60%, which is almost 70, which is almost 100 in its target market. Annual farm receipts are estimated to range from 420 million, which is a number that they made up just to be funny, up to 630 million by 2028. Oh, I bet it's going to be way higher than that. Uh, according to official figures, some 400,000 people or 60,000 households live on the cultivation of cannabis. That's a primary source of income. Yeah, and it was all illegal. Think about that. These people are going to now be able to have jobs that have like health care and benefits. It's not going to be, why are you growing this? Because I don't want my family to be killed. You know, that is fantastic news for morocco and they're going to make a lot more money from this and it's going to go to they're going to have the tax dollars it's going to be good if they're smart to make a deal with chechia because they want to import their stuff right if they're smart they'll make a deal with europe and they'll have tours come see our our hash fields in original morocco you know see like it's like people like to go to you know the wine country and and taste wines and crap Uh, i'm sure that people would like want to go and see the authentically made moroccan hash and taste it fresh there and then say like oh no but it's medicinal and i have my card from germany so mail it back home to me come operate a hash press for yourself see what it's like You know, Chad would visit. Uh, shout out to Chad. I, um, you know, I, I did not know that he took umbrage under the uh, pejorative Chad. And so we're, we're going to have to petition the, the movement and, and also the cannabis industry at large to come up with a new um, uh, pejorative for a person in the industry that's only in it for the money and doesn't care about it at all. Yeah, we can put a poll out on our YouTube channel if you want. Yeah. See, get some names out there, get people's opinions. Mm-hmm. But I think that's going to do it for cannabis legalization news today, guys. Right? I think that's, yeah, it. that's it. We're done. Have a good time at the party. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, guys. And thanks for watching. Make sure you like and hey, subscribe to with all cannabis legalization news. We will see you on Wednesday.